0: Thank you for listening to this recent message from The Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, good morning, everybody at The Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you. I'm so grateful that you're joining us this weekend. Whether you're gathered here in Flandreau or at our Coleman campus or down in Deeside, Jamaica or in Peoria, Illinois. Or maybe you're one of the many people that are joining us online right now. It's great having you with us. Thank you so much. I got a quick question for you as we get started. Please raise your hand in all of our locations. How many of you have ever heard the phrase or the expression, Who's your daddy? Let me see your hands. Okay, if you're in our D-side Jamaica campus, maybe they don't talk this way in D-side, but this is kind of an expression in our culture that we use at different times for different purposes. We'll, we'll say, who's your daddy? And that happens to be the title of our message today, and it'll make a lot more sense here in just a minute as we open the Word of God to John chapter 8, And continue to look at this conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders of his day. Because we're going to get into this issue of fatherhood, like spiritual fatherhood. But just a quick review from last week, because we're right in the middle of John chapter 8. So in case this is the first Sunday you're joining us or you missed the last couple of weeks, let me just kind of put you in the context of what's happening Last week, we were listening in on this conversation that Jesus was having with these religious leaders and some that actually believed in him, and he made this amazing statement. He talked about the key to freedom when he said that if you continue in my word, this is in John eight thirty one and 32, if you remain in my word, you are really my disciples. And then he said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free free and so last week we talked about this key to spiritual freedom is knowing and following Jesus. Well in that conversation last week we saw where the disciples or the the Pharisees made this statement about being the descendants of Abraham. And we're going to see we're going to kind of pick up the story right where we left off last week. So I just want to set the stage because as we hear Jesus talk about this, just know that they had basically made the statement to Jesus that we are the offspring, or we are part of the family line, or the lineage of Abraham, okay? So we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 8, starting in verse 37. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, "'I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word.'" I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. Let me pause just briefly to make the point. So many people claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. And here's just one of many, many places in the book of John where Jesus is claiming to be in the presence of the Father, right? He's saying, I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Hold that thought about your Father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Look what Jesus says. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Now watch this. He says, you are doing the works of your own father. Hold that thought again. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Let's pause the story for just a moment. There's a few things I need you to see here and notice. I talked about this last week, that in the Jewish culture of this day, it was very important for them to be able to trace their ancestry or their family line back to Abraham. And that's why, by the way, we have all these genealogies in the Bible that you might be kind of tempted to skim through and and not be that interested in, where it talks about this person begat that person and was the father of that person. It was very important for the Jewish people to be able to trace their family line back to Abraham for several reasons. For one, it was about their national heritage. I mean, this is how they knew they were part of the nation of Israel, is whether or not they came from that family line. But more importantly, in their minds, this had a direct connection with God himself. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, where God made this amazing promise to Abraham that I'm going to bless the entire world through your descendants. And and the, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, were the people of God's promise. They were God's chosen people that he was going to bring the Messiah into the world through their nation. And through their family line. So let me connect the dots. For many Jewish people in this time and in this day and in this culture, the reason it mattered for them to be part of Abraham's descendants was because in their minds, it made them in right standing with God. Because they basically viewed Abraham was so full of faith and he was such a righteous man that his righteousness was not just good enough for himself, it was good enough for so many people coming after him that were a part of his family. And so people would think, because of our ancestry, because of our nationality, because of who our family is, we're right with God. And Jesus came to attack that lie head on. And the thing is, I still hear people today that believe that. They basically think, well, my grandma was a Christian, so I must be right with God, right? My grandma's such a holy old lady that God's going to let me into heaven just on account of how good my grandma was. Or, or my, my uncle is good friends with the Pope. I, I just made that one up. I don't know anyone who's good friends with the Pope. But here's the point. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. We do not enter the kingdom of heaven riding the coattails of grandma or any other family line or heritage or ancestry. We don't get adopted into the kingdom of heaven because of someone else's good works or because of their standing before the Lord. We enter into the kingdom of heaven one soul at a time, putting our personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And yet here's these people basically saying, we are the descendants of Abraham. Something else I need you to see in that passage is this. Jesus pointed out the difference between Abraham and the way the Pharisees were acting. He, he basically wanted them to know when a messenger from God, and by the way, if you want to jot down on your notes Genesis 18, you can go look at the story on your own, but in that account there were three messengers that came from heaven to talk to Abraham. And so Jesus is kind of referring to that when he says Abraham did not do that. You're wanting to kill the messenger God sent to reveal truth to you. When when messengers showed up to Abraham, he received their message with obedience and he was open to it and he believed their message. You're trying to kill a messenger that God has sent to deliver truth to you. You're not acting like your father who you claim is your father. You're you're you're, and and then notice I told you to hold that thought. When he two times in that passage he mentions their father, he hasn't told them who it is yet. So there's this tension, and we're about to find out real quick who Jesus is going to say this is your real spiritual father, and it's not Abraham. Okay, they went on to claim God is our father. Like they, they took it all the way to the top. Like we belong to God is basically what they were saying in that passage of scripture. And did you notice that line where they talked about being illegitimate children? They said, we are not illegitimate children. Again, there's just some themes going on I'm trying to explain so we really get the context of this conversation and what's happening. It's important to know that in the Old Testament, so many times God would refer to the spiritual rebellion of his people as adultery. He would basically compare the rebellious nation of Israel with spiritual adultery and talk about how they were being unfaithful to him. And so here you've got these religious leaders basically claiming God is our father. We are not illegitimate children. And again, remember last week when these same Pharisees basically talked about, we're the descendants of Abraham, we've never been in bondage or slavery to anybody. And last week we looked at the fact that that wasn't true. They in fact had a long history of being enslaved by other nations and enslaved in their sin. And just like that, in this part of the conversation, we've got these Pharisees basically saying, We belong to God. We've always belonged to God. There's never been any spiritual adultery or unfaithfulness in our line because of who we are as Abraham's descendants. Let me just connect a few dots here because some of you look confused and you might be thinking, I don't don't get it. Why is this important? Let me tell you. I hear this testimony all the time from people, religious people, who basically say, when I ask them, you get into a spiritual conversation and you kind of ask them about their relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say something like this. Oh, I've, I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus. What are they implying? Now, to be fair, maybe what they're trying to say is from their earliest memories, they've always acknowledged that there's a God out there somewhere and they've wanted to know him and follow him and obey him. Okay, I can kind of go with you there. I'll I'll believe your testimony. But if you're telling me that you have always been in right relationship with God from as long as you can remember, and there was never a point where you accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you something, and I'm trying to say it gently. You don't belong to God. Like, that's not true. You have not always believed in Jesus. You have not always been a part of God's family. We are born into this world hardwired to rebel against god and if there's not a point in our life where we turn from our sin and accept christ we don't belong to him yet and yet i meet religious people that basically say either because of my religious tradition and my heritage and how good my family is or just because i've always believed in god i'm in right standing with god and i would contend if you really believe that you're deceived these people were deceived They were deceived so much, they wanted to kill Jesus, okay? Let's pick up the story here. Let's see how Jesus responds to them. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. Pay attention to that. We're coming back to that thought. If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? because you are unable to hear what I say. Now, here's where he's going to drop the bomb on these guys. Listen to this next statement. You belong to your father, and it's not Abraham, and it's not God the father. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Woo! If anyone has ever told you that Jesus was a wimp, just go back to this passage of Scripture and so many others. I love Jesus. He is brave, he is bold, and he speaks with authority. And here he is staring down the most powerful entity of his day, the religious establishment. He is talking to the leaders of, of the religious nation of Israel, and he's looking them right in the face, and he's saying, You don't belong to God, and your you're, you're descendant, the fact that you are descended from Abraham doesn't even matter. That has no bearing on your soul. Your father, you want to know who you really belong to? You belong to the devil. Because you don't love me, and you do what he says. And when you speak, and when you reject the truth, you're walking in the way of your father, the devil. Notice this contrast. I want to point out a couple things in here. Okay, Jesus made the point, here's some qualities of people who really do belong to the father. I told you to pay attention to this line. If you belong to the Father, you also love His Son, Jesus. You cannot say you belong to the Father and you're in a right relationship with the Father, and yet you reject His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you really did belong to the Father, you would love me. So hey church, I got a question for you on this Sunday morning. Do you love Jesus? I'm going to pause there for just a moment and let that question sink in. Seriously. Do you love Jesus? I'm not asking if you believe in a big man upstairs. I'm not asking if you believe that some higher power of your or anyone else's understanding might exist out there. And giving acknowledgement to some form of deity. I'm asking, do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love him? Because Jesus said, unless you love me, you don't belong to the Father. And that's what he's saying to the Pharisees. You don't belong to God. God. Because you hate me, you're trying to kill me. He also made the point that if we belong to the Father, we will hear and accept the words of Christ. He, he pointed out in there that to these disciples, why is it that you can't understand what I'm saying? Why don't you hear me? It's because there's a disconnect. And we're going to find out in just a minute, it's because you are following your father, the devil, and so you are rejecting, you are resistant to the truth. You can't handle the truth. So one mark of a true follower of Jesus, someone who truly belongs to the Father in heaven, is someone who can accept and receive and hear the voice of Jesus. These Pharisees couldn't do it. They didn't know him. They didn't even recognize the very son of the God they claimed to belong to. Now, on the other side of this contrast, Jesus points out two qualities, if you will, or characteristics of the evil one. Did you catch what they were? He basically said he's a murderer. And and we can say more about Satan, we can find from Scripture, other things. But in this conversation, Jesus pulls out two attributes of the devil. Number one, he says he's a murderer. If you want, you can jot down John 10, chapter 10. In a couple weeks, we'll be there and we'll look at the statement in more detail. But Jesus says very clearly in that passage about the devil that the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy You know you're on the side of the evil one when you are about death. The evil one, his end game is death. Evil deals in death and destruction. And and here the Pharisees were wanting to kill Jesus. They were wanting to end his life. You know, I just this morning as I was praying over this passage of Scripture and getting ready to deliver it, this isn't directly stated in the text, but I just feel like I need to say it, so I'm going to say it. And some of you might accuse me of being political and using this stage for a political purpose. What I'm about to say is not political. What I'm about to say is truth from the Word of God, so here it is. We serve a God who is the creator, the author, and sustainer of life. The evil one has come to kill, steal, and destroy life. So let me just make a modern-day application. If you claim to belong to God the Father, and yet you support the destruction of human life, you are exactly with your actions and your behaviors saying you don't really belong to God. Can I be a little bit more clear? If you are a Bible-believing, Christ-following Christian and in any way support the destruction of unborn human life through the atrocity of abortion, you can say how much you belong to God the Father, but by your beliefs and actions, you are demonstrating that you're on the side of death, not life. And I get really passionate about this because, again, we're told all the time by our culture and by Hollywood and politicians, you can't just be a single-issue voter and a single-issue-minded person. And I'm just here to tell you, if somebody cannot get it straight on the issue of the sanctity of human life, there is so much else attached to that. I just don't know how we can claim to be followers of Jesus Christ and put our support or approval behind men and women in our culture that stand for the destruction of unborn human life. I just read recently about how in Maine, we've, we've, they've passed a law in Maine that says it is illegal to boil a lobster alive because they've scientifically proven that that lobster can feel pain and yet at the same time, our, co- our country, our leaders in Congress once again rejected a bill that would protect unborn human life in the womb for the very same reason. We'll go to the mat for a lobster, but we somehow find a way to discard human life. Jesus said that's because that's what the devil does. He's a murderer. His agenda is death. He also said that the devil is a liar. That's his native tongue. When he speaks, he speaks in the language of lies. He hates the truth. He rejects the truth. He distorts the truth. He resists it at every level. And he perverts the truth. And the Pharisees were so deceived, they, they could not recognize God's truth standing right in front of them. I wonder how many human hearts I'm speaking to this morning who you are on the side of the devil because you can't handle the truth. You reject the truth instead of receiving it and by the way i'm just going to say it if you're mad at me right now for what i just said about three minutes ago about the subject of abortion that's a really good indicator that you reject god's truth because what i just told you is god's truth so i got a question for you church i told you it was the title of the message here's the question who's your daddy who do you belong to Jesus made a pretty clear distinction between those who belong to the devil and those who belong to the Father. Who do you belong to? Because spiritually speaking, we all have a daddy. This isn't about your biological father. This is about your spiritual father, and we all have one. Who's your daddy? If you've got your handouts, here's kind of the main thought that I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture. And these are my words, so if you want to write this down, here's how I'm going to summarize what we just heard Jesus say. My true spiritual father is the one I imitate and obey. The Pharisees wanted to claim God as their father. And Jesus said, oh no, you don't imitate God. You don't obey God. God is my father, Jesus said. Your father is the devil. Because your actions, your attitude, your behavior is very much reminiscent of the evil one. And it's in walking in obedience to his agenda of lies and death. You belong to the evil one. Can I ask you, dear soul, who do you belong to? Who is your dad? If you claim to belong to God, do you love Jesus? He said that's one of the marks of someone who belongs to the Father. Do you love Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Him? Do you accept His words and walk in them and follow Him as your Lord, as your Savior, as your King? Who's your daddy? Well, let's keep going. I want to get through the rest of this chapter. There's some more good stuff I want to get to here. Okay, verse 45, let's continue. Jesus is speaking here. He says, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Watch this next question he asks. He says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Can you? Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And I would imagine at this point, Jesus probably paused. And he probably looked around the crowd into the eyes of people, and he gave them a moment to answer. Can you find fault in my life? He's essentially giving them a challenge to investigate his claims. If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Then look at this. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. God. I just want to pause long enough to make this point. I find it very interesting that Jesus, I I believe he continues to do this today, that he challenges us to investigate his claims. Can, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And he gives you a moment to answer. Investigate my claims. Now here's the thing. I think God is okay with us asking some difficult questions. I think God fully understands that we have doubts and we have questions that we need to find some answers to, and I don't think he's offended by that. I think he even offers us the opportunity to challenge him, to test him, to look inside and find the answers. But here's what I think he expects, is he expects us to follow the evidence where it leads and be willing to submit to the truth when we see it. I know of a guy, and we've shown some of his stuff in church years ago, Dr. Frank Turek. He he's, deals in the subjects of, of apologetics, basically giving an answer to defend your faith. And he talks about this. He deals with atheists on a regular basis, and he has a really powerful question that he asks somebody if someone identifies as an atheist and says, I don't believe there's a God, or I don't believe Christianity is true. He, he will ask them this one very powerful yet simple question. Here's the question. If I could prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is true, would you become a Christian? And you want to know what the vast majority of the time these people answer to that? The answer is going to show you very quickly what you're dealing with. If somebody answers that and says, yes, if you could show me beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is true, if you could prove it, I would become a Christian. That tells you the problem is intellectual. They've got some intellectual questions they need to find some answers to. That's okay. We're not afraid of those questions. There are good answers to real questions. But when they tell you, as they often do, no. Even if you could prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is true. No, I'm not becoming a Christian. What that tells you right away is that the problem is not an intellectual one. The holdup is not here. All these intellectual arguments they're giving are nothing more than a smokescreen to take the the, the, the focus off the real issue, which is the heart. I don't want Christianity to be true. I don't want to acknowledge there's a God and that I'm accountable to him and I'm going to stand before him. I don't want to acknowledge or deal with the reality that there's a heaven and a hell. So it's a lot easier just to hide behind intellectual smokescreen and arguments and reject what my heart deep down knows is the case. that There is a God and someday I will stand before him. It's a lot easier to go through life just claiming, I don't believe, I don't believe. I love the fact that Jesus offers them this opportunity to test him look into my life can you find sin in my life examine my claims but he goes on to say that the reason you don't hear is because you don't belong to God there's a heart issue it's not it's not so much a head issue it's a heart issue all right, verse 48, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. We, we've got one more massive bomb. Jesus is getting ready to drop here, okay? This is going to take a little setup, though, as we get through here. Verse 48, the Jews answered him. Listen to their condescending tone. Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan, uh, Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Now, that's a crazy statement, right? He obviously isn't talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. If we receive his word, we will walk in eternal life. At this, they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I had said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Then look what they said to him. They said, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Watch this statement, guys. Watch this. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I... Am. At this, watch how offensive this was. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And that brings us to an end of chapter eight. What did we just see happen in this last part of this passage? Let me just explain a couple things, and we're going to close in a word of prayer. This is now getting really heated. These guys have about had enough of Jesus pointing out their hypocrisy and their evil, wicked hearts, and they can't take any more of it. Now they're bringing out, you're demon-possessed. They're accusing him, and Jesus is saying, not only do you dishonor my father, you dishonor me. I'm not demon-possessed. And he goes on to make that statement, that anybody who obeys my word will never see death. And again, we know he's talking about spiritual death, right? All of us are going to die a physical death. We know that. But for those who accept Christ and receive him into their life and accept his work on the cross, we have the gift of eternal life right now. And our physical death is not the end of the story. It's the comma before we enter into eternity with God, the father and his son, Jesus for all eternity, forever and ever and ever. Right? Now, these guys are talking to Jesus saying, how can you say this stuff? You know, are you greater than our father Abraham? And Jesus is saying, look, your father Abraham longed for this day. He saw this day and he rejoiced in this day. Once again, Jesus is making a distinction between Abraham and how they were really living, pointing out you don't belong to Abraham near as much as you think you do. It's simply by blood and that's it. There's no spiritual connection between you and who you claim is your father Abraham. So then they, they make this point. Who do you think you are? I mean, you're, you're not even 50 years old yet. How do you you talk like you know Abraham? You talk like you've been in the presence of Abraham. Don't miss this statement. This is one of those major statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. He said, Before Abraham was, I am. Do you understand what Jesus is asking there? Do you understand what he's saying? Jesus is claiming two major things. He's, first of all, claiming to be timeless. He's claiming that before Abraham was ever born, he was there. And he's here now, and he's going to be here in the future. He's claiming to be timeless. More importantly, he's claiming to be God. Here's here's a question. Put on your your thinking caps for you Bible students. When have we heard God use that description of himself, I am? Remember? Remember? We just went through it, if you're doing our our reading through the Bible in 2018, we just went through it a few weeks back. Remember in Exodus, when God is talking to Moses and telling Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh, the ruler of all of Egypt, and I want you to demand of him, let my people go. And remember Moses said, who do I say sent me. like He's not going to believe my word. What authority do I have to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? And remember what God said? You tell Pharaoh that I am sent you. I am the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe. I am sent you. And here Jesus is claiming the same descriptive title, I am. Very clearly, Jesus claimed to be on equal footing with God the Father. He claimed to be God. See, anybody who ever tells you that, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God, um, you just need to understand, when I hear somebody say that, Jesus never claimed to be God, what I'm really hearing you say when it passes through the, my BS filter is, what I hear you say is, I've never really read the Bible. I don't really know what the Bible says. I've just listened to what some college professor told me. Read through the book of John, and there are so many places where Jesus claims to be deity. And this is one big one, where he says, before Abraham was ever born, I am. Hey, church, you say, so what? So what? Here's the so what. That is a claim that demands a response. Jesus is not claiming just to be a good person or a great teacher. He's claiming to be the Son of God. And he's drawing the line in the sand and saying, you've got a spiritual father and it's either God the Father in heaven who I belong to, or it's the devil. And he's asking the question this morning, I believe of every single person in the sound of my voice, who's your dad? Who do you belong to? Who's your spiritual father? My prayer is is that in this holy, quiet moment that, that God's spirit would be working in some of our hearts. Either confirming, yes, you do belong to me. I have bought you with the precious blood of my son Jesus. You've accepted him as Lord and Savior, and therefore you belong to my family. Or maybe at this very moment, the Spirit of God is convicting some hearts going, oh my goodness, I don't belong to God the Father. And that leaves only one other option. It's time to get a new dad. So here's a couple action steps I want to offer up, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Three practical steps. No grow and go. I want to give you an opportunity today, if you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today I want to extend that invitation that I believe Christ is opening up for any single person in the sound of my voice, in all of our campuses, watching online. Today is the day that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him? If you have questions about what that means, man, please don't leave any of our campuses or don't log off of this service until you've talked to one of our campus pastors or our volunteers about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And as I close in just a moment with a word of prayer, from wherever you're sitting, you can call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Today I accept you. Please come into my heart and save me. Do you know him? Church, I got a question for you. I know many in the rescue church would claim yes to that question. You would say, yes, John, I know Jesus. Praise God for that. I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their salvation, but I do want to ask a question under the headline of grow. Are you growing? Do you recognize and understand that God's will and desire is for you to grow once you're a part of his family? That it's not just claiming him as some get out of hell free card and I'm going to continue to live like hell for the rest of my life. Like, remember what we said, your true father is the one you imitate and obey. So can I ask, in the recent weeks, months of your life, who are you imitating? Who are you obeying? Words are one thing, but actions show the real heart. Do your actions and attitudes line up? with someone who really belongs to God the Father. And again, we all make mistakes, we all sin, we all have stuff daily. We need to confess to the Lord. I'm not trying to plant seeds of doubt in the minds of true Christ followers, but I will tell you something, church. When I meet someone who claims to be a Christian, they claim that they've accepted Christ and yet you look at their life and there's very little evidence of any fruit or any outward works that show that there's a relationship with Christ What does that leave me with? I have to question, why do the two L's not line up? Their lip and their life. They say one thing with their lip and their life lives an entirely different story. What do I do with that? So my question is, are you growing? And what does that growth look like in your life? And finally, are you going? You know what? In all of our campuses, we're beginning to have monthly meetings now. We're just a little gathering with our campus at the end of a Sunday service. And this is one of the questions we're asking is, how are we as a church going out into our community to serve others? If we really belong to God, we're going to quickly hear his voice that we don't exist unto ourselves. We're here to serve other people. And my prayer is like today at D-Side and today at Coleman, we're having one of those meetings. I want to hear go stories coming out of our church, how our people are going and serving our communities in the name of Jesus. And I believe when we belong to God the Father, we will hear his voice, we will imitate him, we will obey him. And the direct result of that will be a church that's going out into our communities and making a difference. So I don't know what this looks like in your life, but I believe you've just heard a very powerful word from God, not because of the guy who delivered it, but because of the Spirit who wrote it, and that same Spirit is working in hearts right now. And so my prayer is that God would do whatever work he needs to do in the hearts and the lives of the people of this church so that we will hear his voice and obey and imitate him, and that we would be a church that truly belongs to God the Father. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father. In heaven, first of all, thank you for being my Father. Thank you for making it possible for me and so many others in the sound of my voice this morning to be in a right relationship with you. We love you. Jesus Christ, we love you because we belong to God the Father. Thank you for making that possible. I pray right now in this moment, Lord, if I'm speaking to anyone here today that through this message has come to understand, maybe for the first time, maybe they just... Their hard heart is hearing it again, that they really don't belong to God the Father. Satan is their true spiritual father. Lord, right now I pray that you would just bring such conviction, not because you're a mean God trying to beat them down, but because you are a rescuing God trying to bring about freedom and forgiveness and hope and purpose in their life. God, I pray that right now you would be working in the hearts of any that would be here without you. That today would be their day of salvation. That right now would be their moment of surrender. Lord, I pray for the Christ followers that we truly would be that in this church. Really following you. God, it's heavy on my heart to think that the people of the Rescue Church would be sitting here on Sunday claiming one thing with our mouths and then going out in the community and living lives that look a lot more like the work of the evil one. Lies, lives that, that re- reject the truth and accept lies. Lives that imitate evil behavior. Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly be growing and walking in your ways and going to serve our communities in your name. Jesus, please use this message in the hearts of your people in any way that you see fit. Might you just receive this as an act of worship from me to you, from this church to you. Might we respond as you would desire for us to respond, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in your name. We pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.